to the Off Leash Podcast with your host, Ron and Joe Hall. Real life, real facts, with a high contact. Let's get it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to 2024. This is January, and today... If a lot of you understand what Off Leash These Must Podcast is about, it's about enduring hardships. It's about changing lives. It's about motivation, endurance. It's about being an overcomer. And on today's episode, I want you guys to welcome Michelle. Everybody welcome her. Welcome, Michelle. I Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Give me a little history about you and who you are. Well, you know, I'm just um, a, a girl that grew up in the church her whole life. Um, come from a background of pastors and evangelists and mm. um, kind of having my relationship with God and backsliding and going back and forth and just thinking that my relationship with God was based on the relationship my family had with God. So always having that to fall on and not, never really having like my own true relationship so it's kind of like a pedigree like i come from this lineage if you will so therefore i fall under that umbrella and i'm covered exactly okay and where did you grow up at um i grew up in turlock in turlock yeah okay so you were born and raised there i was born in san francisco i actually moved to honduras central america when i was three really um my mom had to go back over there and take care of some documents and so I lived there from three to the age seven, and I moved when I was seven, and I started first grade here. So you said your mom had to go back there. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your parents. What nationalities are they? So my mom's Honduran, and my dad's Colombian. They're not married. Really? Yeah, so they're not married. So I went back with her to do her documentation and stuff and um, lived there. I did do kindergarten there. I went to a a private Catholic school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Were your parents in church their whole life? My mom. Your mom was. My mom has Because I got to admit, as soon as you said Colombian and stuff like that, my mind went straight to cocaine. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you associate <laughs> Colombian. Yep. Cocaine. Like, it's so connected. Yeah, my mom's a Honduran, <laughs> and then my dad's a Colombian. I didn't grow up with my dad too much, so there was, like, some type of, type of disconnect with me. Um seeking something more because I didn't have my earthly father next to me. Mm. Um, And so I think this is where my journey kind of came through, like going back and forth and not really, I guess I can say not really um, understanding who that our heavenly father was and how he can love me Mm -hmm. if my earthly father wasn't around. Mm. So um, that's where my journey and my back and forth with, um, the church or just with God and my relationship with God happened until, yeah. You know, I always like to ask people this and some, you know, it, it might get a little uncomfortable, uh, but I'm okay with that. Um, I like to showcase God's power, right? Mm-hmm. And in order for people to truly understand where God or how powerful his love is and what he was able to do, I like people to go back and reminisce on how dark they really were or how dark they were, you know, the place that they were in. So mm-hmm. when, when you said you were backsliding, what was that like? Like, It was, uh, I rebelled, really rebelled at the age of 19 mm-hmm. where it was like, I don't have to go to church with you, mom. Like, 
I work, I go to school, I'm an adult. Um, I started drinking heavily, um, partying, more partying. Like, I wouldn't say, like, drinking heavily in the sense that, like, I was an alcoholic. Okay. But drinking and partying very heavily, going to, like, just parties and clubs. And I was that girl, you know, with the miniskirt, dancing on the on the on the bar top and you know bad things happen when girls in miniskirts dance on bar tops right right so So, tell me a little bit about your mindset or how difficult was that day when or how long was that period when when those voices were talking to you about rebelling and just rebel you know what you don't have to go to church don't worry about it i mean what was that thought process like as a teenager before you actually said, mom, I'm not going to go. Um, it was, I feel like I was always kind of connected to God. And then I, I can't recall the time that I was just like, nope. But I remember, um, uh, I remember falling asleep every night and I was, I was full of fear at night. Hmm. And at night, um, I would sleep with my head facing the wall because I felt like somebody was there and I would, if I faced the other way, which was my closet and my closet was open, I would see like spirits. Well, now I know it's spirits, but I would see people in my clothes. So like the fear was in me and my mom would come into my room sometimes and say, I see a man, um, a spirit like standing at your door with a black top hat and he, and he wants you. And so I have a little brother. He's not little anymore, but he was little at the time. He would have dreams that I would be, my mom would be like, do you want to go to church today? And I'd be willing. And then I'd get in the car and then like demons would be like pulling the car back. And so I had a very like, it was a struggle for me because I knew the truth and I knew what I needed to be and how I needed to be, but I wanted to rebel against it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So did you ever talk to anybody about that back then? Like, no, 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 never talked to anybody about it. Never talked about how I felt or what I saw or anything like that. Now you, you said your mom was at the, she would see a man at at Mm -hmm. your, at the door. Yeah. So did you guys have discussions about that? Yeah. It was more of a, I see the spirit and what are you doing? So it was Mm -hmm. more like condemning to me. That's how I took it. Not like, I know that she meant it in a loving way and I know that she was worried about me, but Mm -hmm. I felt like she was condemning me and pointing the finger and just being like, you know, did you pray today? You know, you might go to hell, like that kind of stuff. And so that type of attitude that she gave me made me repel anything to do with Christ. So knowing what you know now, why do you think they were there? I believe that um, I had from, I believe that from when I was conceived and my mom and dad did not get married, there's, there was a rejection that came inside, mm. like through my mom's womb. And so I feel like my whole entire life, I felt rejected in a way. Um, and so I think that that was the main reason why I was rejecting Christ was because I felt rejected. So if I feel rejected, why would someone that created us want me? Did you blame God for that? No, I never blamed God for that. No, I didn't. Mm -mm. Okay. And then how did you and Pete meet? 
So we actually met um, in April of, gosh, 2016, I think. And uh, my friend, uh, Mindy, she was got accepted to a master's program. So she called me and she's like, hey, do you want to come meet me for drinks? And I was like, Ugh, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm tired. I have chores, whatever, whatever. And um, she finally convinced me and I went. And um, we went to to a restaurant, and there was no tables. It was really busy that day. So we said, oh, we'll just take the bar top. And um, actually, he was there with the date. <laughs> and um, he met my brother, and him and my brother became friends. Mm-hmm. And then he'd come hang out with my brother. And, and yeah, now we're married. <laughs> <laughs> so back in 2016, were you still in a backslidden state? Um, yeah, so I'd go back and forth a lot. So I'd go like maybe three, four years that I was just like, Jesus, Bible, uh, Bible study leader. Um, I translated, um, at my church for about, geez, like I think nine years. So I'd, the, the pastor would preach on, on the stage and I would translate into English on stage, like simultaneously. Really? Yeah. And that was, um, so that was like an amazing part but then um, things happen where um, I just kind of like they kind of took me off that leadership role because they were trying to bring up more people mm-hmm. in it. And it just kind of like slid me back into like this uh, conformity stage. And then I was like, oh, I can have one drink or I can have a joint, you know, and mm-hmm. and then one thing led to another. And then again, I was at the club. Just like that. Just like that. There's the man with the top hat. Yeah, the man with the top hat. He comes back again when we when we get into more in my testimony. Okay, let's let's uh let's go ahead and start that. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So in 2018, February, actually February 12th of 2018, um I got really sick. And um I you know, I had a fever and my body was achy and I kept on going to the doctor. They kept on giving me antibiotics. Nothing was working. I remember on Valentine's Day, Peter came with like roses, like, because it was Valentine's Day. And I was laying in bed and I just was like, I have no energy to even like say thank you. And um, I called my mom. He worked nights. So I called my mom and I said, Mom, like, I really just don't feel good. And she said, I'm going to take you to the hospital. Because I told her, I feel like I'm going to die. And she's like, I'm going to take you to the hospital. And How I many days were you down like that? I was probably down, like, by the time I went to the hospital, I was probably, like, probably seven to ten days. Okay. Yeah. And so then I went to the hospital, and then they said, oh, you have pneumonia. So they gave me an antibiotic for that and whatever. And so that didn't work. I still had 104, 104.5. I remember, like, grabbing the cushions at my mom's house because then I went to my mom's house to t- for her to take care of me because he was at work. And I'd stick my head in the in the cushions and just wanted like the earth just to swallow me up because it was so much pain. And so then I'd go back to the hospital. Oh no, you have fluid in your lungs. So I went from pneumonia to fluid in the lungs to um, now we don't even know what you have. So I got tested for AIDS. I got tested for lupus. I got tested for every immunocompromised um, you know, disease that you can think of, and nothing. So my doctor at one point said, you know, I'm going to test you for something. I don't think it is this because 
you know, this was a disease that was big in the seventies. Um, it's not really a thing anymore, but I'm just going to test you because there's nothing, I cannot find what's wrong with you. And throughout this whole time, my, um, my, uh, all my levels were down. Like I couldn't breathe really. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't move. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even shower without like help because I was just in so much pain. And he tested me for valley fever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he calls me and says, you have valley fever. That's what it is. And I had never heard of valley fever before. And for anyone that has never heard of it, it's it's a fungus that lives in the air, usually in agriculture areas, so in dry areas, so like Arizona or like the Central Valley. Mm-hmm. And we live out in the country, so it must have just been in the air. Um, right before this... Mm, I guess I should have said right before this, my daughter that was 16 decided to move with her dad in South Carolina and I would cry and cry and cry. And it was like a really, really rough time for me. So I believe that my immune system was already low from the distress, the depression, you know, like all that stuff. So when I got that um, fungus in, it attached to my lungs right away. Because most of us get valley fever in the valley, actually. But none of us get that sick gotcha. unless you have a, a, your immune disorder. And so I believe that my immune system was low because of just the stress of, you know, my 16-year-old leaving me. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so, um, if yes. You, if you don't mind me sure. asking, why did she leave? Um, (laughs) so she left because, well, that's when Peter and I met. She had never seen uh, me with uh, a boyfriend. I never had a boyfriend. Um, I dated, but she, I never put those two together. Okay. And so, um, you know, I talked to her now and she said it was hard for her to share me Mm. and, um, for me not to give her all the attention I would give her and now I have to split my time into two people and she just got angry. Okay. Um, so, so she went to her dad's and, um, so yeah, so then I got, um, sick and, um, I feel like I was in bed and like, I didn't even come home till like May of 2018. So like from February to May, I was like living back with my mom and not really seeing him often just whenever he'd be able to come after work or whatever. Um, but one of the times is when I was hospitalized and I was there, I don't know, maybe three, was I in there for three days? Do you remember? It was like about three days and I couldn't really move and I had to have the, the bed kind of upright so I can breathe. Mm. And the, this lady came and gave me, a nurse came and gave me a breathing treatment. treatment. And the breathing treatments would last about 15 minutes. So they would put the mask in. I'd get the breathing treatment. And then um, I would leave. And she would leave. Well, during this breathing treatment, I was in a state of, like, asleep but awake. And all of a sudden, like, I was, like, not being able to breathe. And I remember looking to my right of the bed and seeing the man with the top hat. And he had his hands on my chest. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, and the way, only way I can like describe him, it was like, he looked like Abraham Lincoln. You know, like that, like clothing, really tall, top hat. 
and he had his hands like right here, like pushing down on my, like my throat area. And so I couldn't breathe in the treatment. And I was like thinking in my head, like I'm going to die right now. Like I'm literally going to die. And I wanted to say the name of Jesus. Cause I remember like always hearing like you say the name of Jesus, you say the name of Jesus when you're going through something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to die and I can't say the name of Jesus out loud with my voice. And I was trying and I was trying and I was trying and, and he was just pushing on my, I don't know what this is called, but my throat area. And he was pushing in and he was, he was asphyxiating me. He was yeah. killing me. And, um, the ding, 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 like all the, the dings from the, the, and I was by myself. So it was like during the day and I was by myself I started hearing all this stuff going off and I heard like people running down the hallway and I was like, still like, I can understand what was happening. I see this top man, top hat guy next to me. And, um, all of a sudden I said, Jesus, like super loud and gone. Mm. The na- the man has never came back again. Mm. So that's the last time that man was was allowed legally yeah there's power in the name of jesus i realized i had a lot of um like legally i had given the enemy openness to come and attack me right so Mm -hmm. um i believe that that moment when when my spirit knew that jesus was the only one that can save me it didn't really matter like what i grew up as it didn't really matter that my cousin was a pastor or that my aunt was a pastor or like there you know i was involved with churches none of that works mattered but it was only the blood of jesus and his name was the only one that can save me i think when my spirit like really took it in was when he was gone how has your how has your life changed since that episode right there? Oh, my my life changed tremendously. I believe, like, after that moment, um, they took me back home, and I just literally started, a, like, like, diving into worship music mm-hmm. and just diving into, like, healing stuff and diving into um, God's word and reading his truth and... Um, some people might think that I'm a little overboard, but when you have a near death experience and you see someone trying to kill you, that's not a physical being mm-hmm. like you cannot not change. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you, have you inquired about the man in the top hat? Like, you, have you asked, um, like pastors or, yeah. you know what? No, I never have. And that's a good question. Cause I've never, I never have, but mm-hmm. I think I will now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I and I would like to know more about this guy without actually meeting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not uh, a good dude, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so how is your, so the, you said that you're kind of overboard right now. So explain to me what, why people believe that you're overboard when it comes to being head over heels for Jesus. I think, like, people don't understand, like, um, I think people that don't, that have never had like the encounter that I've had don't understand why you're, you sell yourself out to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So maybe um, being so involved in church or being so involved in wanting to change like today's generation, because my heart is for the youth of today. Okay. And so just wanting to do that change um, 
you know, um, let's pray, let's read the word, um, you know, things, little things like movies. Let's mm-hmm. talk about movies. Like there's movies that I cannot watch. Like the Holy Spirit is like, nope, right? don't do it. Um, you know, whether it's like a curse scene, a sex scene, um, even like some like killing scenes. Like we used to watch um, Dexter. Mm-hmm. I can't watch Dexter anymore. Like uh, I don't feel comfortable seeing um, and glorifying death. Um, and killing. So like those kind of things. And some people might think like, it's just a show, but to me it's more than a show because I I know, I know the spiritual Mm -hmm. aspect of it, you know? So stuff like that, I think people like just have a hard time with, um, with it. They're understanding now. And like, they know not to invite me to certain places or do certain things. But I think at the same time, I lost a lot of friends during this time too. So I believe there was a, when all this happened, and then we got married and then I had no friends, <laughs> like none whatsoever. And it was a journey that it was hard for me because coming from a background, a Hispanic background, that you have tons of people around you. Yeah. Um, coming from a party background where you have tons of people around you to being alone, 2020, no friends, you know, semi-isolated um, that was really hard for me, but now I know that it's the journey that I had to take in order to be where I'm at now. And God has opened doors to new friendships that are beautiful and wonderful now. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so I know when we first started, when we sat down you were, well, actually Pete had mentioned it to me that you're interested in starting your own podcast. Like what genre or what direction would you be going in? Um, you know, I just kind of want to have it like maybe something like this where we're just having real conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to talk to people that have been healed or people or moms like um, my heart go. is a lot for yeah. moms that are, you know, just single or are like the only ones that serve God in the home or like have prodigals because of my background. I was a prodigal. I have a prodigal. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have a lot of knowledge in that. Um, and a lot of grace. So that's kind of like where I'm headed on. Okay. And that's kind of what I'm praying about this year. Actually in 2024, we did vision boards this year mm-hmm. and, um, like headphones in a, in a, in a, in a microphone is what is on my. And so this is just crazy that thank you for inviting me because Absolutely. it's like, we just did this and I just said, Lord, you know, I want to do a podcast and you want, and you know, I want to be on a podcast and you know, I want to have these conversations with people and I want to be to able to be the light in the middle of the darkness. Mm-hmm. And here I am talking to you. You know, I, I, I always, I always ask everybody and I'll, I'll ask my kids and I always say, you know, how much darkness is pitch, pitch dark. And they'll be like, man, I don't know, just dark, dark. I go, you know what's crazy? Is you, this is, let's act like we can measure darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Let's act like we can put a measurement on it. Let's say, let's talk in, in terms of volume. Let's say there is 300,000 square feet of darkness, right? And it's so dark that each, each foot of that darkness is 100% dark. But the smallest light mm-hmm. will outshine all that darkness doesn't require much light and if we as individuals and humans as creations of god would just shine just a little bit even in the darkest Mm -hmm. areas people would begin to see the path yeah and that's all we have to do whether it's on a podcast or whether it's at walmart in a in the checkout line Mm -hmm. you know wherever it is 
It's just using that time wisely and just keeping your your candle wick lit just a little bit, yep. you know, enough for people can look over and say, oh, there's the light. We're going to go that way. Right. Mm-hmm. All the boats use it at sea. They have a lighthouse. Yeah. We use it in our cars. I mean, we have it on our hard hats. <laughs> you know, we got we got we got lights everywhere. So why not keep our light lit at all times? You know, what's funny is like we always have this um, at church. We have a conference every summer. It's called the Holy Spirit Conference. Mm hmm. And there's this uh, evangelist, um, heal, a healer that comes in, and his name is Billy Burke, and shout out to Billy. And um, on 2018, so I guess I should go into, like, how I got healed, right? Yeah. Um, so in 2018, in May, I was home. And I finally, I think I, I think I finally went home, like, in June or so. And in July, um, my church, or it wasn't my church at the time. It was... Um, it was just uh, I don't even I don't know if my mom even went to that church at the time, but but it was a church and they had this Holy Spirit conference and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to this Holy Spirit conference. They say that um, there's healing happening in this place, uh, there's restoration happening in this place, there's deliverance happening in this place. I need all that, and I was on medication, and the medication was making my hair fall. The medication was. Um, just drying out my hands, um, to the point where like they were bleeding. And so then, um, I went to this, this, um, this conference and this guy prayed over me. Well, the first I couldn't swallow anything. So I was eating like five crackers a day with water and that's all I can take in like one cracker every well, no, four hours. Mm. And cause I couldn't swallow anything. And so the first night I went to the conference um, I went up to the altar and I was like, they said, um, cause they said, you know, you want to come up for prayer if you need healing. And so I went in there cause I wanted healing. And this lady prayed over me and she's like, I see an obstruction in your throat, right? She didn't know me. I never been there before. I see an obstruction in your throat. Um, are you having a hard time swallowing? And I said, yes, I am. She's like, okay. She's like, well, I'm going to pray over that. So she laid hands on my throat and she started praying over my throat. And she was praying over like that I would able to swallow and that like any obstruction would go, be gone in the name of Jesus. So then she told me, she's like, test your healing when you go home and eat something. Well, guess what I ate when I got home? I ate in and out. <laughs> That'll do it. I'm uh-huh. telling you, I had not had like real food since February. And I told my mom, like, I want in and out. And she's like, in and out? Like, you can barely eat a cracker today. And I'm like, yeah. They said to test my healing, um, you know, and this is like months of me like praying and worshiping and just being filled by the Holy Spirit and just reading his word. So like my faith level has grown. Right. And I'm like, this girl told me to go eat, test my, my healing. I'm going to do it. So they went and bought me in and out. I ate the entire thing. And everybody was just like at our house was like, are you kidding me? Like you literally just ate all that in and out. And I was like, yeah, this is awesome, right? And so then I'm like, I'm going to the next day because I want a complete healing. I don't mm-hmm. want just like, a, you know, just one thing. I want everything to be healed because I had um, titers that were really low. And so if they're low, your immune system is low and you're susceptible for pneumonia and just a bunch of stuff. Okay. And um, so I went the next day and I had um, I went back to the altar and it wasn't like no one specifically came to pray for me. They just kind of laid hands and, and I was just receiving the healing. I was just like, God, I don't need a word. I just need you. 
So you are the word. You Your word was the beginning, and your word is the one that's going to heal me. You're the, my daily bread. So that's, I mean, I'm here. I'm My body's in the altar. I receive your healing. So then um, Billy said something um, that was, I was sitting down, and he said, okay, I know some of you guys need to go test your healing when you go home. And some of you guys, the Lord is telling you to leave some medications. And I, you know, if the Lord is not telling you, please do not do that. But if that's something that you feel that is a word for you, then do it. So I went home and I got rid of all my medication. I did not tell Peter. I did not tell my mom. I did not tell my family because I already knew that if I said anything to anyone, it would have been like all negative. Like, no, you can't. You have to take it. You're going to die or whatever. Right. So I didn't want to hear the negative voices. So I just kept it to myself. And um, I went to my doctor. I believe it was August. And um, she was like, oh, it looks like your titers went down just a little bit. And and I didn't tell her. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say anything still. And then she's like, but I'll have to see you in October. So I was going like every other month, every two months. And um, I went in October and then she says, wow, the medication is really working. And that's when I told them because she's like, the medication is really working. Your titers have gone down significantly. It's like almost Uh like it's all gone. Like all trace of Valley fever is gone. And I just chuckled and I looked at her and I said, I'm not taking the medication anymore. And she got really mad. And she's like, what do you mean you're not taking the medication? You know, and I said, you know, I went to a conference. (laughs) I'm here telling this infectious disease doctor that's from New York City that, you know, that that practices in Turlock, telling her like, well, I went to I went to a conference and I believe Jesus healed me. And she's just looking at me like, you're crazy. And then she's like, well, you know, it takes it takes like a month and a half in order for that medication to come out of your body. So we're, you know, since you just been, you know, since you just um, got off of it, then, you know, it's probably not that what you're thinking. It's the medication. And I said, I actually ended the medication in July. And it was like July, <laughs> August, September, October. So that's four months, right? Yeah. And she just like looked at me like she didn't know what to say. And I said, I said, when I'm telling you that Jesus healed me, Jesus healed me. So I'm here trying to, at the same time, tell her, you know, yes. like there is a healer. Yes, I respect you as a doctor, but he's my doctor. And, you mm-hmm. know, when, what he says, you know, I'm going to follow type of thing. And she's like, okay, well, I'm not going to give you the medication since you don't want to take it. And it was like a little condescending, you know. Mm-hmm. She's like, but I'm going to have to test you every month. And every month I would go, it was lower. It was lower. It was lower. It was lower. And then she did um, my lungs. She did a scan on my lungs, bef- like, probably in May of 2018. And they were just, it was bad. The the um, The fungus had attached to my lung. Um, it had created holes in my lung, um, my left lung. It, was cre- it had created holes. It was black. Um, basically she said, you'll get older, you'll get pneumonia, you'll get older, you'll always get the cold. So she just started like giving me words of like, just putting fear, sickness and like fear. And that's what, before the conference, that's stuff that I was hearing. So of course I was afraid. Of course I was thinking, but then I always remembered the time in the hospital room when I saw the top man 
disappear. So then, so then that mm. part of my brain would start kicking in, which of course was the Holy Spirit reminding me, like I already took that away. I you know that God, Jesus already took all that sickness in the cross. Mm-hmm. So just c- keep on continuing on your healing. And so, um, so yeah, so she kept on testing me. The teeters were going lower and lower and lower and lower. And then she's like, well, I'm going to have to go ahead and like do another scan in a year. So, so that was like, now we're like in 2019, like August, probably right before we're getting married. Um, and so, um, it was like 2019, she did a scan and, uh, you know what? No, I'm it was 2020. We already had gotten married because my I was on on her, like with her treatment for like two years. Mm. So it was August of 2020 when the pandemic was hitting hard, and everybody would tell me, Michelle, you can't go to the store because you know your you, your immune system is compromised. Michelle, you can't do this because your immune system will compromise. And I would say like if if God gave me the ability to stay alive from valley fever. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't for no reason. Like, um, I'm not done yet. I'm not done here. I'm not afraid of um, getting COVID. Or I believe that the Lord is going to protect me from it. Because he has something that he wants me to do. Because he already saved my life once. He's not going to save me now to, like, kill me off now. Like, that that didn't make sense to me. So then... um, my doctor sent me in for a scan on my left lung and uh, she's like, okay, I'll call you with the results because I couldn't go into the office because of everything. Everything was through phone and we were on our way camping and she called. And so I pulled over on the side of the road and, and I answered, she's like, hi, Michelle, this is, you know, the doctor. And, and I said, Oh, hi, how are you? And, and she's like, well, I got news for you. And I said, okay. She's like, I don't know how to explain this. She's all, but it looks like you got a brand new lung. Oh, wow. Uh, it doesn't look like you even had a trace of Valley fever. I don't know how this happened. And she's just stuttering over her words and she just didn't know what, how it happened. Um, and I just kind of smiled to myself and I said, well, I told her Jesus healed me. <laughs> And then she's like, I guess he did. Yes. And um, she's like, I guess this is our last conversation. Um, you're good. You're. I'm releasing you. No, You don't need to come see me anymore. And, Praise God. And that was 2020, August 2020. And you've had zero issues since then? Zero issues. So I rarely get sick. I think I got COVID one time, and that was a year ago, not even during the pandemic time. Did I get I feel like I had it, but I don't even know if I so did. So what you're saying that Jesus healed you. Jesus healed me. Go ahead. Let's say say Jesus it again. Jesus healed me. Jesus healed my lungs. I believe that he had a brand new lung for me up in the in the storage house in heaven and yes. he just replaced it and um so why am I so happy and gung-ho, I guess you can say, and how I am with like certain things like we were talking about movies, right? Mm-hmm. Why I can't do certain things is because I can't like disregard what he did for me so i feel like my life has changed and we go from sanctification to sanctification it's a daily thing right Mm -hmm. and we're sanctified daily until the time that we meet him face to face in heaven um and i feel like that is the process i'm in right now 
Amen. That is a beautiful story. Yeah. That is a beautiful story. If you, to that one listener right now that's out there that may, that may be sick or is going through it, what, what, what would you say to them? I would say, you know, God is the same God today, yesterday, and forever. He is the same. He, the, the healings that Jesus did can still happen today. I mean, his word says, right, in John, it says, um, I'm leaving, but you will do greater works. So if you're feeling like you're sick and there's no hope, there is hope in Jesus. There is healing in Jesus. He died on the cross. He got those whips for a reason to take away every single one of our infirmities. You know, I believe um, he got whipped 39 times and then and every every sickness can be condensed into 39 39 different sicknesses that have evolved to more sicknesses. Mm-hmm. So why is that? I believe it's because Every whip that he took was for valley fever, for cancer. Every mm-hmm. whip was for for the common flu. Every whip for, was for like COVID. And yes, not everybody gets a healing. I understand that. But there is healing in the name of Jesus. Right. And even maybe if your body doesn't get fully recovered, but if your mind and your soul is healed and is yes. prepared to meet him, then what greater healing is that than being healed in your soul? Correct. I agree with that 100%. Well, thank you. I appreciate your story. That's a beautiful story. I'm looking forward to your podcast because I I believe it's going to take off. I believe you, just like you said earlier, you are not done. You know, you didn't just go through what you went through just to fold it up, put it in a box and hide it underneath your bed. Mm -hmm. that's That's not why we go through the things we go through, right? I mean, Joseph in the Bible, he went through all that all that being sold, sold into slavery, going to Pharaoh's house, you know, all that just so he can help save the lives of the people that, that belong to him. And so I would, I'm glad you went through what you went through. And I look forward to the other trials that we're all going to go through yeah. so that we can glorify God through it. Yeah, it definitely isn't um, in vain. Mm-hmm. And one more thing I wanted to say was, so last year, um, we were going to put our daughter in a private school and, um, I went and toured it and stuff. And I ended up talking to the vice uh, principal there and I ended up telling her my testimony, just what I just told you today. And, um, she says, what year was this? And I, and I told her and she said, oh my gosh, I'm probably not supposed to tell you this, but that infectious disease doctor enrolled her kids into the school it's a christian school enrolled her kids into school and comes to church now oh wow and so to me it's like I'm, i literally have the chills right now just thinking about you know like saying it and yes. knowing that like just your testimony can change one life mm-hmm. if it can change one life it's it's worth it well thank you again i appreciate it thank you pete and I wish you guys the best of luck and I look forward to what you're going to do. And uh, when you when it does kick off and it kick starts, I'd like to have you back on so we could talk all about that as well, oh, if you're willing. Oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Thank you for having us in here. Absolutely. Off Leash, These Mites Podcast.